C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. Maddie, it feels like about six years since we've done this. I know. We had a nice vacation, a nice summer vacation Mm -hmm. after the episode with Danielle. So we're excited to be back in it. Better than ever. Agreed. Just the two of us for a nice solo episode. Exactly. Uh, So should we just dive right in? As you all remember, uh, listeners, we have removed the millennial moment from our interview episodes, but we keep it here in our solo episodes and have rebranded it as the friendship bracelet. Um, Bracelet? Friendship circle? I forget. I don't even know. The bracelet. The bracelet. Um, So let's go. Maddie, do you have a millennial moment slash link for our friendship bracelet? Um, Well, as we were just discussing off mic, we're recording this, a rare midday recording. Mm, It's wonderful. Um, Because I took the day off for a nice staycation to study for the GMAT. I'm taking it tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. So fingers crossed. And then I will start the delightful process of all the other parts of the application, which I thought the GMAT was going to be the biggest hurdle. And then it would just be like downhill from there. Oh, no. I have to reformat my resume. I have to write essays. I have to do all these things. I have to prep my recommenders so that they like know what to talk about me. So I have to come up with a plan for that so that I'm not working on it between Christmas and New Year's because they're due like the first week of January. So wish me luck with that. Um, But my millennial moment, I just thought this was like a funny anecdote that happened. I was having dinner with some Kappa, fellow Kappa volunteers And they're all older than me. They're all, you know, women that I serve with on the house board and stuff. And one of them is an accountant and she works for a big, you know, a a large accounting firm. And she's the head of her accounting department. So she does everyone's reviews. And she was just like giving us the inside scoop because she was like, I had to write like 25 of them for like all Mm. levels of employees. And she she went through and did everyone's comp and they have to get like her boss to sign off on it. And she's like, he was fine with all the comp. And she was like, I only had two complainers, but she was like one of the people complained and she was like a junior staff. So they like most accounting firms, they have like junior, senior, and then you get promoted to manager. So this was like a relatively, you know, entry level, probably the person's first job out of college. And she was like, the girl complained and she was like, okay, I was, like, very receptive to, like, why she was upset with her compensation that we gave her for the year, and she got a very good review, and she was, like, I did some benchmarking on, like, our competitors, and I think my salary should be X instead of Y, which is what you gave me, and it was five grand a year difference, and this woman was, like, am I crazy to think that that's, like, a small amount, like, after taxes that you're, like, going through the motions of like going to the partner of the department to be like I'm not happy with my compensation and I was like yeah "Yeah." especially if it's not like you're you're not like in a negotiation period with like a new job because obviously with a new job like you want to eke out as much as possible because like any of your raises are going to be a percentage based off of that but I'm like yeah especially if you've gone through a couple cycles and you've gotten like a couple raises or promotions like five grand shouldn't make the make or break the bank and like it obviously did this girl a disservice because this woman was like yeah I'll probably give it to her but like now I just think that she's like you know wasting her time and is like gonna complain about every like nitpicky thing so Mm -hmm. I just thought that was interesting I don't know if you have thoughts about that yeah I think it is interesting and I think there's um I mean, it would be interesting to know what the base salary is that we are working with. Because I think, I think it's probably, if, if ta- I had to guess, like between 60 and 70 grand, just knowing yeah. the industry. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're below 70, five grand still makes a little bit of a difference. I think it's when you get kind of above 80 where it's like, okay, five grand, 
irons out to like a couple, maybe a hundred bucks a month. It's like not that big of a deal. Um, but I also think that if she's that young, she's probably thinking about skipping from the firm and wants to make sure that her current salary looks good so that when she goes in to negotiate for a salary at a new firm, she can jump even higher. Yeah, that that's true. That's a good what point. She's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems like it's like obviously at work you want to use your like brownie points or capital, like your goodwill mm-hmm. that you've raised for like beneficial things. Yeah. And I think it was just interesting hearing the other side because, like, I've totally been in that position, like, being Mm -hmm. pretty early on in my career. And you're obviously just focused on yourself. But when you're someone that is looking after 25 to 30 employees and you've just written Mm -hmm. all these reviews and taken this time to be like, I have this pool of money. Where should I move it around? And then you have this person that's like, well, I did more research and I know more than you. Like, I can see how that would be annoying. But to your point, if you're making, you know, this woman is obviously making, like, double triple with this you know person that complaint is making so you kind of lose mm-hmm. sight of what it feels like when five grand maybe does mean a little bit more so i just yeah, thought it was interesting i agree um yeah i think that is very interesting um so for me my moment is that i'm recording this in my pajamas including my bathrobe yes, even though very it's cute. like very festive thank you Thank you. It's high on like 1030 here. Um, but the reason is I had to do a load of laundry because all my underwear are dirty and the majority of my clothes are either in the wash with my underwear or they are still packed in suitcases from my vacation that I got home from on Sunday and is today Friday. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like. I know. And we're going on vacation next week. Yes, well. we're going on the uh, Camp Adulthood actual camping trip, which is going to be very, very fun. Um, but yeah, and then on top of all of that, I feel like I've reached this weird moment of adulthood where um, we have a cleaning lady that comes twice a month. And I realized this weekend I am going to be doing the cleaning for the cleaning lady, which <laughs> is kind of dumb, but I'm like, I have to get everything tidied and put away and organized so she can focus on cleaning. And I'm like, I finally turned into this person I thought I would never be, but here I I am. I feel like when you and I lived together, we would get a cleaning lady like every Mm -hmm. so often. Yeah. And I feel like our apartment was so small. We probably, you know, I don't know how much clutter you guys have. It's a much bigger space at your house with David, but Mm -hmm. you know, you got to make sure that you get your bang for your bucket. If there's like shit everywhere, they're not going to be able to, they're going to waste all their time moving it. Exactly. And I am plus I find that they don't even like waste their time moving it. They just go around it. And then right. I'm like, there's <laughs> crap under here. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, I totally agree. And I am also the person who like I think everybody, no matter what age you are, if you can even begin to afford to get a cleaner to come in um, periodically, you should do it because it literally has changed my life. And a friend of mine, a good friend of the pod, actually, although has never been a pod guest, originally got me my first cleaner as a gift to come for like a couple hours one day. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. Like my house is way cleaner than I'll ever get it. And the person was very nice. And ultimately it did not cost that much money. And I'm a total, total convert. But yeah, um, yeah I've got to do much uh, tidying because I've become very squirrely we've been very squirrely this past week yeah so. I totally agree I was just thinking about that I get this should have been my millennial moment I mm-hmm. were finally the saga of the bathroom renovation is manifesting yeah itself. I saw on Instagram and I was like what is happening yeah well so my apartment's so small that like we were hoping at the beginning we're doing like a complete bathroom like gutting it all new stuff we're doing oh. a tub to shower conversion all new tiles everything drywall whatever and initially when I was you know working with the contractor and everyone I was like you know we live here so if we can minimize the amount of time I figured I would have to leave for a period of time but I figured okay once they like install the toilet and are like working on other stuff you know I can shower at Corey's gym or go to like Jenny's or something like whatever and I was talking to the guy and he was doing like the final walkthroughs and everything and he was like in an apartment this small like even like you can't be in there when there's no plumbing first of all so that takes a couple Mm -hmm. weeks and then he was like if we're even if we install the toilet if we're still cutting tiles and putting up drywall and stuff there's going to be so much dust and so much fumes and like Mm -hmm. you're not going to want be wanting to track all that stuff like into your bedroom with your clothes and everything 
And he was like, it's just really disruptive with the crew and it's a small apartment. So like to have people in and out during the day is like too much. Mm. So he was like, you know, the original quote that they gave was like four to six weeks to complete everything. And he was like, plan on being gone for four. And if we can get it done earlier, then like, that's fine. So I was looking at Airbnbs and they're, first of all, and New York is cutting down on Airbnbs, which I could get into at a later time, but there's just like not (laughs) a lot of affordable short-term rentals unless you know someone that's um, subletting for Mm -hmm. months at a time. Um, But I don't know of any other services besides Airbnb and their competitors, and New York just isn't a friendly environment for that, so there's nothing that's affordable. Um, And, you know, it's a long time to stay with one person, so we're trying to piece together, like, you know, on the weekends going up to my aunts in Connecticut and then, you know, staying with people for, like, three-day stretches at a time. Um, so I'm basically going to be a homeless nomad for a month. And it's another complication too, because it's Corey and I. So like, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes staying with a friend, if it's one person is fine, but when it's two people, you know, it becomes more of a burden. So, um, you know, and it's not like people in New York have a lot of guest bedrooms and things like that to spare. So, you know, it's going to be fun. I'm sure we're going to augment it with like some stays in a hotel here or there. And like Mm -hmm. one of the weekends we're going to a wedding. So, you know it'll be fine it's just going to be like super obnoxious and I'm gonna have to figure out like you know how to pack my clothes how to do laundry like yeah what to do about food because you can't really like take over someone's kitchen if you're just there for three days you know there's like a lot of things to figure out and I'm going to be applying to grad school and it's Corey's first um semester at the um the new school he's going from the community college to the big boy school so it's just like a lot and the timing sucks and I'm like I wish it was happening in August because I'm taking so much time off like I'm going away for Labor Day and I'm going to be with you for like six days so Mm -hmm. I'm like this timing could not be worse Mm -hmm. so if any of our listeners know of any sublets starting September 9th that are not crazy expensive or have a guest bedroom in New York or are going to be need a pet sitter or something let me know anywho what is your uh, toasty campfire topic for this well, Day. I brought two topics. We can do one or both. Um, but I think I was going to start Whatever with uh, the one that we had, I had Instagram messaged you about was this whole Equinox oh, uh, yeah. gym and SoulCycle boycott. Um, I have and many there thoughts. Is, I'm sorry. I said I have many thoughts as you Oh, I have know. many thoughts too. So basically, uh, Stephen Ross is um, a big shareholder in this real estate company called Related Companies, which we interviewed Chloe, who works for them uh, several, I guess be like several months ago now. So we've talked about them before. They did the Hudson Yards renovation uh, or or whatever you would call it, the Hudson Yards project. Project. Development. Um, Yeah. And they invest in many different companies. um, And some of those companies include you know, uh, Equinox Gyms, SoulCycle Spin Studios, Momofuku, which is the David Chang's restaurants. Um, So they have fingers in many different pots that are all kind of real estate related. Now, Stephen Ross, who is one of the chairmen and controls, I guess, about 60% of related, uh, is a big Trump supporter. And he was going to be hosting a benefit for the Trump campaign uh, at his home in the Hamptons. And I think the tickets were something like $175,000 a table or something insane. It might have even more than that. It might have been like a quarter of a million dollars a table. I can't remember. Um, And when it came out that he was hosting this private fundraiser for the Trump campaign, people went crazy because a lot of these brands that are kind of under this related umbrella, um, first of all, they're still privately managed. They're not managed by Ross necessarily or by related. Uh, They're managed by their own, you know, board, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But they've been experiencing huge backlash and they're all of these major millennial brands like Equinox is this fancy gym that a lot of you know, liberal millennials like to go to soul cycle, as everyone knows, um, is kind of was the brand that really kicked off, um, spinning and studio cycling for our generation. Um, there's been many, you know, competitors, but they were kind of the original one. Um, you know, Momofuku is 
is David Chang, who is just this amazing millennial chef who's done all these really incredible things. And of course, he's also a person of color. So that's very um, important that he's got the prominence that he has in his profession. So, you know, going on and on. Um, But then you had all of this backlash when the news came out about Ross's uh, Trump benefit and people are like boycotting Equinox and SoulCycle. And it just is pretty, pretty crazy. So I wanted to read a couple passages from um, this this article in the New York Magazine, it's the Intelligencer section, and the uh, author's name is Josh Barrow. But I wanted to read two parts, give my opinion, and then I'll let Maddie kind of do her, let Maddie have her opinion. Um, sorry, guys, I feel very inarticulate today. Um, <laughs> no, so anyway, it says, thanks. <laughs> um, so Barrow writes that Equinox and SoulCycle have claimed in recent days that Ross is just a passive investor in their business, which is false. It is true that Related is a minority investor in Equinox, which in turn owns SoulCycle. Um, As Dan Primack of Axios has explained, Related used to own a majority of Equinox, but has sold stakes to other investors over the years, diluting its own position. It's also true that Ross owns just 60% of Related, so a majority of Equinox's and SoulCycle's profits are not accruing to Ross personally. But minority ownership does not equal passive ownership, and the sitting decisions for Equinox Gems and SoulCycle Studios are heavily tied up in Related's broader development strategy. Related is the landlord for many Equinox and SoulCycle locations, especially in New York, because Related seeks to place them where they will enhance the value of Related's residential and office developments. This includes the Hudson Yards, uh, mega development, and blah, 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 which includes all of this Equinox and SoCycle branding. So here was my issue, is that, yeah, people are free to boycott. And, you know, that's it's important that we think about where we're spending our money. But I think the boycotting of this particular, these particular businesses show that people really have no idea how corporate and franchise businesses work. They don't understand how politics works and they don't understand how private wealth works because this, this guy is not related, is not hosting the Trump campaign fundraiser. It's a private citizen using his private funds to host a fundraiser for his political candidate. Um, there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think it can be really problematic when we start kind of lumping all of these things together and we're equating Republican kind of with the same, in the same category as people who have done something terrible, as if they're a rapist or if uh, they're, they've committed sexual assault or they're a child molester. Like I hate Trump, but this way of looking at things is wrong and it's dangerous. And ultimately the people who it is going to, that are going to be hurt by this is not related. It's not this Ross character. It's the kid who works at Equinox on the night shift to help pay their way through NYU. You know, it's the franchisee who just opened a soul cycle in Kansas city. Like these are the people who are going to be hurt by this. Not a freaking billionaire, a real estate developer. Um, so, and I don't think we can blame companies like Equinox, soul cycle, Momofuku, pure yoga, all of these people for, you know, when they've got the opportunity, when someone comes to invest in them, not saying no, just because one of the chairmen's on the board happens to be a Republican. I mean, I, I just, I don't think that that's wrong. Um, and then I will, I'm almost done. But then I thought it was interesting. Barrow, who wrote this article, says, um, and I did think this was a good point. Ross should have realized he's not just another real estate developer. He's in the lifestyle brand business where you have to be mindful about showing your customers that you share their values if you hope to take their money. But he hasn't done that. And by failing to do so, he hasn't just impaired the value of the brands, but that of Related's brand its own. So and then he just says that he thinks SoulCycle and Equinox would ultimately pull from they divorce themselves from Related because they're so committed to their brand and their reputation. So anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. And I thought it touched on a lot of kind of topics that tend to be important to millennials. So there we are. 
What do you think? Bring it on. Yeah, I think that was a great synopsis. Um, I have many opinions. I echo a lot of what you said. I disagree with the article. I don't think SoulCycle and... Hold on, Maddie. Oh, can you hear me? I unplugged my mic again by accident oh. because I was so excited. Oh, great. But now Sorry, you can hear me right. start okay. over. Yeah, now I can no, hear I, you. No, I agree with that assessment. I disagree with the last passage that you wrote for a number of reasons. If we remember, I know we talked about this in Chloe's um, episode about Amazon pulling out of Long Island City after mm-hmm. much publicity. They're coming back to New York. They just leased the Lord & Taylor space from WeWork. So they're not gone. Yeah. They just waited for the press yeah. to to die down and got better PR people, but they want to be in New York. There's tons of talent here. Like, I don't think SoulCycle and Equinox are going to, you know, divorce themselves from the prime real estate that Related is in. So I'll just say that. I but I, that well. I, I agree mean, with I, everything. I thought Josh was wrong. Yeah. Um, but I agree with your assessment. I think boycotts like this against billionaires on the ground level only hurt the workers, the hourly workers, and Stephen Ross is going to be just fine. I also think that the um, picking and choosing of moral superiority, just because these are millennial brands that everyone likes. Stephen Ross also owns the Miami Dolphins. I have not heard anyone mm-hmm. being like, I'm going to sell my tickets to the Miami Dolphins. I mean, maybe people are, but not the yeah. vitriol. And I think that's part of what you were talking about, that people are very attached to these like wholesome and pure brands. But like the Miami Dolphins are a huge franchise, and I'm sure a lot of liberals enjoy those games and they're not talking about that Stephen ross is also um he gave hundreds of millions of dollars to the university of michigan the business school is literally michigan ross i'm applying there i'm not going to not apply because my degree is going to be associated with Stephen ross you know well also um, Stephen ross is not necessarily a bad guy is right what exactly he right. just supports trump which and i i think trump is a bad guy but that doesn't make Stephen's money dirty, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. And it's just this sense of moral superiority and being like, oh, if I cancel my Equinox membership, then I can sleep well at night. It's like, it's a load of crap, in my opinion. It's like, if you're going to live your life that way, and I know we've we've discussed this with like Facebook and other companies, it's like, if you take it to the nth degree, Stephen Ross is not the only person hosting Trump fundraisers or fundraisers in general. I know there's a big push with all of these liberal candidates as well to not take PAC money, but a lot of them you know on the other side they're having quarter of a million dollar dinners as well you know Mm -hmm. so it's like everyone does unsavory things even I know we were talking you know cheekily in the Instagram account about you know not everyone can be Oprah but it's like even she is famous for not being a great person to work for she like works her people into the ground and is not a very pleasant Mm -hmm. person so to speak behind the scenes although she does a lot of great work publicly so it's just funny. And I think, you know, I, I know a lot of people that voted for Trump. And I think the things that set them off, so to speak, and really do a disservice to liberal causes is when, you know, well-meaning Trump people and even Stephen Ross himself put out a statement. And he was like, I also disagree with a lot of stuff that Trump does. I just am more focused on economic things and creating jobs for small business owners. And whether or not, you know, we can get into the argument of, if you can divorce all of what Trump does and only focus and pick and choose on issues. But, you know, he, mm-hmm. like you said, employs a lot of people of color, employs a lot of people that wouldn't otherwise have these jobs. And he's very focused on economic development, which is why he's been, you know, such a beneficiary of business schools and things like that. Um, and I, I understand why Trump would be appealing for that kind of thing. But I think, you know, non-billionaire, like regular people that voted for Trump, they see this kind of stuff and they're like, well, first of all, I would never be able to afford an Equinox $400 a month membership. So like, fuck Mm -hmm. you, liberal elites. And B, you know, I resent the fact that I'm being lumped in with a bunch with actual Nazis and racists when I'm just a normal Mm -hmm. person trying to live my life and I happen to support Trump. And that actually, I think, pushes people farther to the right and is like, all right, well, if I I can't be a part of the culture and I can't go to a soul cycle class and I'm going to be, you know, yelled at and lumped in with Nazis and racists just for, you know, trying to go to a nice, fun soul cycle class, 
then the only people that are going to be nice to me are the Nazis and the far right people. And that is going to make us worse as a country. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have many opinions. I also agree with the first thing you said about people have no idea how corporations and private wealth works. I definitely Mm -hmm. felt that when I at my old job working at an investment bank, like we had protesters outside our office when I worked there. We openly made fun of them because they were ridiculous. They wore swamp monster Mm -hmm. costumes and stuff. It didn't make me question working there or the paycheck that I was getting. I wasn't like crying at home at night being like, I'm a terrible person because the company that I worked for, you know, was part of the recession and things like that. Like it, it made me actually, I think, more loyal to my company because I was like, I have an inside understanding of how many mainstream, main street businesses are funded with Wall Street money, and if they just pulled out and we completely dismantled the system, how detrimental that would be to normal people. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I have many opinions about this. But. No, I mean I think it's I think it's important, and I I think it's important that we have this conversation from a place of like dislike for Trump, right? Like I think these are the conversations that are missing. Is like because I'm saying that I don't think people should be boycotting these brands does not mean I am a Trump supporter. In fact, it's important that we're very clear that I, you know, at least, and I don't think you are either, are Trump supporters, um, but we believe in free capitalism and blah, 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 and all of that nonsense. Um, Yeah, and people should be able to do what they want on their own time. Like, what about, you know, like, you can take this to so many degrees. Like, there are people that work in coal factories that's destroying our planet as a species probably going to be the downfall of humanity can we just Mm -hmm. say that all of those people are have a moral imperative to Mm -hmm. not you know con ed it i can't even like articulate what i'm trying to say because it's like there are so many brands and so many companies it's like if you drive a car and you go to a gas station you are contributing to global warming and there is a moral well, imperative there. Like, there's just so many things that it's like, yeah, closing down your also, Equinox membership is going to do literally nothing to nothing. And, the planet at all. Yeah. You and know? it could also be detrimental because ultimately, like, Equinox is a, I mean, I don't know that much about Equinox as a brand, but like, they're a pretty, like, neutral thing, right? Like, they're not. Yeah, it's a gym. It's a gym, you know? So it's like, they, they're not, there's nothing negative happening here. They're not doing anything bad. There are other places you need to kind of take your money away from. Um, But I don't know. I think there are two different things here. And the one is that we, again, people just not understanding how global markets and capitalism work is whenever you're buying anything, it is going to be actually impossible unless you have nothing else to do with your life to research every single person that owns a piece of every single company um, and make decisions based on that. That's going to be impossible. And then I think kind of what you're talking about, taking it to these different degrees, I think I I see this a lot here um, in Portland because I think it is such a crunchy city and, you know, there'll be a big backlash against using straws or whatever, because it's bad for the earth and it's bad for turtles or bad for whatever. But then you'll see something else going on in the city or people like not even caring about the fact that the newspapers are coming wrapped in like plastic bags or whatever. Um, Right. It's like picking and choosing to make yourself feel good and like you're making a difference. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was kind of important topic to talk about based on you know, our ongoing conversations. Um, so, but moving on, what Toasty Campfire log do you have for us Well, do today? you have, you said you had a second one. Do you want to oh, do it? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, the other one is just the HuffPost Highline, which is one of my favorite forms of investigative or favorite venues for investigative journalism. They did a piece um, on millennial nuns. Uh, I guess it was a, it's probably like a month or so ago now. I meant to do this for Danielle's episode and then we got sidetracked on some other things. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting because the article talks about how more women are entering the, what is called the discernment phase of religious life, um, than, you know, 
than have been for 50 plus years. And the discernment phase is basically where you learn about the particular sect or order of the religious life and you kind of start to live in that cycle uh, or, you know, you take on that vow of poverty and celibacy and et cetera, et cetera. Um, But what I thought was really interesting about this article is that many of these young women are entering some of the strictest orders of nuns. So the ones that like can't talk to anybody or have to wear habits and they they're asking for these things. They're like, I want to join an order in which I have to wear a habit. Um, And it goes the article really goes into a lot of details about how this is part of this is spawned by what we've talked about so many times, which is a millennial's need for community and a millennial's need for um, uh, spirituality and kind of how these things get mixed up. And then also it talks about how women are drawn to this because we have as a society, we have so many choices. It's so overwhelming. So there's something nice about being able to make a choice where so many things are decided for you. Um, Obviously I think there's a lot of negatives that can come, you know, with organized religion as it currently stands, particularly within the Catholic church. But I also think nuns have done a lot of good work and there could be a time for, this could be a time with more women entering the religious life to really, you know, double down on those good works and um, this caretaking role that nuns have kind of inhabited, no pun intended, uh, throughout history. Uh, But it was interesting because I felt like many of the women they interviewed weren't getting into it for that reason. It was more for this lifestyle piece, um, which I just thought was was really interesting and – you couldn't pay me to join a religious order as much as I do love a good nun here and there. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I think there is a big pull for that. I mean, even like when Corey talks about the military, I know that was a big draw for him. And then coming back to civilian life, having, you know, what you wear every day, what you eat, where you go and everything already decided for you is very Mm -hmm. comforting. And it leaves your mind open to think about other things. And you're much more productive if you don't have to think about all those minute you know, decisions Mm -hmm. that we have to make on a day-to-day basis. So I understand why that's appealing. I also think there's like two things going on. One thing that I thought about bringing up for my hot topic or whatever, but I ultimately decided against it. But it reminds me of this, that there's this like looming fear that -hmm. I've been reading about that we're like about to enter into another recession, probably not nearly as bad as the last one, but you know, a downturn. The economy's been going pretty good for a couple years and it's probably time for a, a reset. And like millennials and Gen Z's that are now getting out of college are kind of like, I don't really care because I'm already like up to my eyeballs in student debt and like I'm getting paid zero dollars. So like if there's a recession, who cares? And it's this like nihilistic attitude of like whatever happens, happens. Oh, interesting. And so I could see like how that attitude could lead to someone being like, I want something stable that's going to stand the test of time and kind of take myself out of this like modern, you know, ups and downs of the economy and having to find a job and I'll always be taken care of by this organization that has billions and billions of dollars. So Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting. Um, And then I also think it's interesting just the general rise that we're seeing across the country and across the world in extremism. And I don't say that in like a negative connotation, but just people, you know, are moving to either ends of whatever spectrum. And I think religion has to be a part of that when you're seeing so much conflicting information and mm-hmm. fake news, whatever you want to call it. And I think people are getting really polarized and spun up on stuff to go back to something that's been around for millennia and has been proven to be true, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and people can stand behind on one way is very, on one side is very comforting, but on the other side, you, you mentioned these women are going to the most extreme forms. And I don't think that that's surprising. Yeah, I agree. But it's very interesting. Yeah. So I would highly recommend reading that article and also signing up for the HuffPost Highline. Uh, Their newsletter is is phenomenal and and always really great journalism. So cool. Yeah. Um, How about you, Maddie? Mine is a little bit more light. I just found it so funny. Oh, good. uh, In this New York magazine, 
They had this whole spread, and it was, it's called Shopping Habits of NYC Teens. So these are our Gen Z friends. Gossip girl. And it's so funny, the things that these kids in earnest are like, this is cool, and I want it. Yeah. Um, Things like scrunchies. Uh, Yes, the scrunchie like resurgence is weird mom jeans those really ugly chunky white like workout shoes i'm sure you've seen them around yeah so fugly they actually did at one point in the article a like a converse verse these like ugly fucking shoes and i'm Mm -hmm. I'm a big converse fan and all these gen z's were like no the chunky ugly ones are much better um yeah and it's just so funny so they go through like decor different like brand like makeup and stuff which i don't really find super interesting oh they're all obsessed with airpods which i find very interesting because they're super expensive and i think they look dumb but it's fine if you like them i just didn't think that they were like a status symbol Mm -hmm. um those weird skinny like sunglasses you've seen them like from the 90s i think a lot of this is like 90s fashion coming back Mm. like tie-dye shirts is on here um it's so funny. This is very similar to what I see Kelsey and her little friends. Yes, picking well, that's up. why I wanted to bring it out up to yeah. see if it's so funny. They think it's cool, but I'm like, it's just it was there in the '90s, and now we look back on it. And it's funny, um, <laughs> but they have they had a section where it's like, what's something that you really want? And like some of them put like real things, like um, like a perfume that they wanted. I'm just like briefly skimming it or Mm -hmm. like i wanted like a puppy or like a pair of vintage levi's and then some of the kids were like what i really want is confidence oh and a bunch of kids were like i don't believe in consumerism or capitalism so i'm not gonna ask this question and i was like all right douche canoe like if some nice journalist came up to you and was like what's i'm doing an article on shopping what's something that you want to buy and you're like I don't like consumerism. Like, okay. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny. So I'll post the link. I'm just like flipping through the article to see if there's anything else funny. But those were the big things. Those ugly, chunky white shoes and like the 90s fashion. Mm -hmm. And then just like, I think, I don't know if this is a young person thing. The kind of like, I'm sure part of it is. But I think this like Gen Z countercultural like we know what's better than the adults and like we're the voice of reason and like we're more Mm -hmm. reasonable than like most other people is like very funny to me I get a kick out of it so well I think it's really interesting and I love watching I mean I I love teenagers I'm just gonna say it I I think it's such an exciting time in life and I think they, they often have so many interesting and unbiased opinions it's definitely like a fresh perspective it's just fun when they take things so seriously and you're like okay yeah like so that's fine I I guess what I was gonna say that I think is so funny though is is about this point in development I think for teens is they're just starting to like understand what consumerism is and kind of the power of a dollar and um now I don't want to be at all negative about former guests of the pod, young Kelsey, but this is something I'm going to tell her to her face. So I'm (laughs) going to say it on here. Um, I love you, Kels. Um, Is, you know, she's recently really been feeling passionate about the environment and like what she did to reduce her footprint. And I, I love this for her and I'm so proud of her and she's being really vocal about it on her social media accounts. And I have seen her make some, choices in what she buys but I think there's still this disconnect and it's still this like and and I see this with um you know David's littles as well they you know they know that straws again are bad for turtles but it's really hard for them to say no to the plastic toy and you know Kelsey is trying to like reduce plastic bag use in her home but I also see her constantly eating like an individually wrapped candy bar or something so it's it's interesting with teenagers to see them make and children too to see them kind of make that conceptual leap of what I'm doing affects a larger uh 
a larger whole and that my buying choices, um, if I want all of these things that are really popular right now, like that's going to have an effect on the earth or the economy or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I see Kelsey buying all of those things, by the way. I don't know if she has the chunky white sneakers (laughs) yet, but she's very into the AirPods, very into the scrunchies, very into the tie dye. Um, Yeah, it's funny. I mean, none of those things, I do think that the chunky white shoes are patently ugly but the other stuff like scrunchies and like mom jeans and stuff like that's cute that's stuff scrunchies i would wear are actually very good for your hair too yeah so they like some of this breaking. stuff is good it just it just cracks me up and i think you know using kelsey and her friends as an example is totally illustrative of this and i think this is what the article was trying to achieve too where they're like on some level i feel like gen z is one of the more image and brand conscious i think that it's something that millennials get a bad rap for but i think actually like Millennials were one of the first ones to pioneer like the brandless stuff. Like there's a bunch of stores in New York that have like no packaging and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I've never been one to be super like I need to buy like the latest fashion or, mm-hmm. you know, need to have like the newest thing. I know some I have friends that are like that. So but I see it, I think, more with the younger kids and I don't know if it's because they grew up like in a different time with a different economy with different parents but it's just Mm -hmm. funny to me because it's like the airpods it's like they are made of plastic they're easily lost because they're they don't have like a string Mm -hmm. they're super expensive and they're made by apple which is like you know they have some questionable business practices I love my iphone I'm never giving it up but you know we can yeah. we can hold contradictory ideas in our mind, but it's just very funny the juxtaposition of like trying to do all of this social good and be very, you know, I'm trying to make a difference in the world, but then also being very image and brand conscious is just funny to me. Yeah. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see if how Gen Z is as adults. And mm-hmm. I think I see it with some of, you know, like some people in my life, like cousins and things that are younger that grew up in very affluent households and Mm -hmm. they're in college now and they're trying to get their first job and it's like how do your tastes change and how do your how does your lifestyle change when you have to support yourself first when your parents are buying stuff for you i agree okay well that's it shall we transition to our questions yes let's go into the practice tent i have selected five questions for today maddie great um i'll ask you first have you ever set two friends up on a date? How did it go? I'm trying to think. I think no, but Corey and I were kind of set up by a friend in a way. Mm, that's so true. So I've been on the other side of it. I mean, she she wasn't like, I'm going to make you a dinner reservation and you're going to show up and it's going to be like a blind date. I feel like that's kind of what people think of when they think of like mm-hmm. being set up. But, you know, she was the one that introduced Corey and I and it's been a roller coaster, but I think it's ended up good. So. What about you? Um, I I was going to say no. I mean, I definitely have, again, I think made a couple introductions that didn't necessarily go anywhere uh, for friends and, and, you know, family members. Um, so, yeah, I'll say that. I'll say I've I've made introductions and I've had introductions made for me. And I love it when people do this, honestly. I mean, even though it never again, worked out for me. I think it's something that's really refreshing and sweet to be like, when a friend can be like, I love you and I love this other person and you guys should get together and see what happens. And I think we've talked about this in the episodes with Lily. Um, You know, people tend to be really afraid to do that. And I'm like, you know, whatever, what's the worst that can happen? You know, if you really love and trust both people, they go on one date, they don't click, they don't go on another date. Yeah, I think that there's, there definitely is a pressure there. And I see it even with like recommending people for jobs it's like you have to Mm -hmm. be like sure that it's not going to go like super poorly but like to your point if Mm -hmm. you know both people and you're like they have good moral character it's probably not going to go that bad but I could see why if you're the friend doing the introducing it puts you in like the friend that introduced Corey like she will always have like a place on a pedestal like in our relationship Mm -hmm. and like I do feel like compared to if I just met Corey at a bar or something or like on an app, I do feel I think more of a sense of responsibility towards that friend. Like if it ever did go south to like explain to her what happened because she cares about Corey so much. So it definitely puts like, I think in the back of your mind, there's like someone kind of watching over you being like, 
don't be a dick, you know? So yeah, maybe that's exactly. a good thing. That's a good influence. Yeah. I like it. All right. Do you want me to ask the next one or do you have them? Oh, up? I have them up. I can, I can okay. do it. Um, have you ever stolen anything? And then she gives some suggestions, money, candy, hearts, time. Very open-ended. Um, yeah, I'm just going to say no. I, I really hate, like, when I say I hate, like, dishonesty, that sounds like I'm trying to be morally <laughs> superior, and I'm not. It's just, like, anything that's like that makes me, like, actually physically sick to myself. <laughs> so I, like, I don't know. I just am very, uh, I just don't think I could physically handle it without, like, puking. But I will say I am the queen of stealing like coasters and pens and stuff like that from restaurants and I have like a whole collection going from McMenamin's you can see mm-hmm. I'm using one here um and I've stolen many pens branded pens from restaurants particularly in New York and I don't really feel badly about it because I feel like those are marketing tools and I you know I that's like with our pens and stuff. I like when people steal them from me and don't give them back because it means they're going to think about my podcast or my restaurant or whatever. Um, so, but yeah, that's the only thing I've stolen. How about you? I agree. Um, nothing in recent memory comes to mind, but when I was a kid, I think I was in like, it must've been like first or second grade. I was on a trip to California and we were at like an art it was like an art, I don't even really remember, but it was like an artsy shop of some kind. And I remember there were like these little painted rocks and they were probably like $2 or something silly. And I like took a handful and put them in my pocket. And I like knew at the time that I was stealing. It wasn't like I was so <gasps> young that I was like, oh, I just took them and walked out. Like, no, I consciously was like, I'm taking these and I'm not going to tell my parents. And it like it sticks out in my memory for a variety of reasons so my parents ended up finding them and they were like oh where did you get these and I think I'm sure I was like a bad liar as like a child I'm sure I like said something and they were like what and then it finally came out that I had taken them and they made me go back to the store and give them back and the people were very nice but after that I think that's why I can place it as like first or second grade it was around the time when you're doing your first holy communion they make you go through confession for the first time oh yes girl And, and they were like in the room and they were like explaining to us as like a group of second graders or whatever like these are the types of things that you can like talk about like everyone has to come up with one thing that you want to like go to confession about and everyone was like freaking out because like how how much of a bad kid could you be in second grade you know we didn't have any like psychopathic like cat murderers in our group or anything (laughs) and so all these kids were like freaking out because they were like i have to think of something that's like meaningful enough you know and they made yeah. us like kind of brainstorm it and I was like uh eh. so I used that instance so I went to confession it's fine the priest absolved my sin so I'm not a bad person anymore and I've never done anything <laughs> like that since but I remember it was so yeah. cre- like the whole catholic confession thing is just like a creepy thing in general because you're like in a yeah. room with a priest and you can either choose to like look at them face to face or you can like go behind the screen or whatever yeah like we were so young the fact that they have I think it should be like a high school age thing but that's just me like before you get confirmed I think second grade is too young it was kind of traumatizing um not that anything bad happened to me it's just scary being like tell your deepest secret to the stranger you know but I get that that's kind of the point but I like (laughs) I made a point I was like I'm not gonna be a coward I'm gonna look him straight in the eye and tell him that I stole these rocks and he did not care I'm sure that guy like has heard all sorts of terrible things. And I was yeah. like, I stole the rocks, but then I gave them back. And the guy was like, great, good job. And then he like did the blessing. How many Hail Marys did you get? <laughs> I don't even know. I think he was like, this is the worst thing. And I was like, yes. Like he was not freaked out by it at all. So I don't know what the other second graders were saying, but they were like, <laughs> must have been worse than that. But it, I don't know. it I just... feel like when I, oh, go on. No, no, no. That's just, it sticks out of my mind because of like the confession thing. Because I had to, Mm -hmm. like, dig deep and be like, what am I going to say to this priest that's, like, worthwhile? (laughs) So. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about confession, but I feel like mine That's the only time I've ever done it. Yeah. They were always, like, internal thought things. Like, (laughs) I thought mean thoughts after my brother said something to me. Yeah. The priest was probably like, whatever. Go say five Hail Marys. Yeah. Um, So far. All right. Okay. Moving on. 
have you ever unplugged from the internet for more than a week? Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like pre-internet times, like, don't count. I remember when I went mm-hmm. on a, this was like, it's still a number of years ago, but when I went on a cruise the last time, it was like before, like, now they have technology that you can get, like, Wi-Fi pretty easily on a cruise ship, but when I went at the time, it was like you really couldn't, like, there was nothing, like, even if you paid for it, it was still, like, super shitty, so, um, I unplugged during that time, um, so I get, but that was when I was in high school, like when I went on that long distance hiking trip, I unplugged. But since my adult life, like, I feel like whenever I go abroad and stuff, like I try, mm-hmm. I always like limit it. Like I'll check my emails on Wi-Fi and stuff like, or like yeah. look through social media, but um, I'm not one to like, you know, I have to have the international plan so that I can be on it at all times. So like yeah. next week, probably I'm not going to, you know, we're going to be in the United States I'm not going to unplug completely probably but I'm not going to be like totally focused on my phone but a week is a long time I would say to be like completely like a lot can happen in a week to be completely disconnected like I could totally do it and not be like anxious about it it's just like Mm -hmm. I'd rather not you know what I mean yeah I agree I feel the same way like I definitely try when I'm on vacation or whatever to uh to unplug I mean I think it's funny I've traveled abroad so many times since almost like pre-internet times <laughs> like the first time when I was 18 or whatever and it is weird how that experience has changed now that we have more uh, of these electronic tools um probably the last the last time I like I, I want to say when I did the Camino de Santiago in 2010 um but I did check email while I was on that trip, not necessarily daily. And I certainly didn't have a smartphone, but I did have a phone with me where I could text um, or call if I needed to, or if I wanted to just like let my parents know that I hadn't been, you know, like murdered. Um, So I, so I hate to say that that even counts, but I guess I'll go with that because we certainly weren't really even compared to trips I've taken to Europe after that one, um, I didn't use my phone. I mean, I didn't even have a smartphone, so it wasn't like I could use it for like the map or anything like that. There was no Instagram, um, et cetera, um, which is interesting because I've thought about going back. I would love to do the Camino again. But one thing that people say is the experience has really changed now that Wi-Fi is more readily available, uh, both on the trail and in the hostels that you stay in, in the oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and part of me is like, oh, my God, it would be so much easier to just like have my smartphone with the map on it, be able to like text my family and friends, um, not have to wait in line to check my email. But then I, you know, I have to ask myself, OK, would you really have and I'm sure the Wi-Fi is not great in most of those places based on what I saw, you know, got almost a decade ago. Uh, but still, I'm like, would I have the self-control to be like you can only check email once a week or you can't go on any social media, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I hope, I hope that I would, you know? Yeah. Well, I think it's also like the type of, it's like, why are you doing it? Like the, I think the spirit of the question is like, could you do it? Not, mm-hmm. would you want to? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I could think, and want to. <laughs> right. But it's like, I, I think there is something nice about being in the moment and being disconnected, but it's also like, it is also nice to be able to listen to a podcast while you're walking and like do all these other stuff. And I don't think that takes away necessarily Mm -hmm. from the experience. It's just a different thing. Yeah. And, you know, connecting with people from all over the world too and sharing with people. So I agree. I think one thing that was really interesting for me when I hiked the Camino is I had like a little, an iPod, an iPad, iPod. I think it was like an iPod shuffle with me and I thought I would really be like wanting to listen to music and I found myself not wanting to be connected in that way which was really interesting but now with the internet I would have so much more available to me than just like whatever I chose to download before I left on the trip so I think that's interesting as well yeah definitely yeah um all right next one have you ever won an award what is it what was it for um I'm going to say this and it's going to sound kind of like jerky, but like, yeah, I won lots of awards in like high school and college and I forget 
most of them. And it's not because they were just like everybody gets a blue ribbon awards. They were like actual things. But, it, you know, it's so funny. I think being like a high achieving like type A child, it was like. Yeah, there's a lot of I expected myself to like win the award. So it was just like getting an A in a class. It wasn't necessarily like being something super, super outstanding, you know. I don't know. But that's maybe yeah. me just being self-deprecating. No, I think there's just more opportunities when you're younger. Like, I was thinking about this, too, and it's, like, the last time – I mean, it, it was super meaningful to me, but there's just more opportunities for, like, competition where you could mm-hmm. win an award when you're in school versus being an adult. Like, I can't – like, I can't even think – it's not, like, your job – I mean, like, getting promoted is not an award, but, like – I've been promoted and that to me is like the adult equivalent you know what I mean but the last time I got like a trophy or something like that I mean winning it wasn't like an individual award but when I went to convention when NYU won the Kappa chapter of the year that was pretty cool oh yeah I'll take credit for that one yeah (laughs) Shay was part of that one too um but that was very cool because the like span that they won it was when I was chapter president so it was like yeah girl that's all on you yeah and it was cool being there because people were like like very hype and they give out a lot of awards at those things and like they do mean something but that was like the award and so everyone was like congratulating us and it was like big party mode and then before that like I did a lot of speech and debate competition in high school and Mm -hmm. those awards were pretty meaningful and I'm actually I'm getting brunch on Sunday with a friend my senior year we were in the same category and it was his first year competing and oh, wow. I, I mean, he's very talented and very good on his own, very smart guy. But um, I was the more experienced person. I had done that category like a couple of years previously. And I was like a captain of the team and stuff. And I like kind of mentored him and coached him and stuff. And he ended up winning the state championship. Oh, and wow. we had like a very embarrassing like, like we still talk about it. And we're like, what were we thinking? We're like, we were on stage together because I was also a finalist I didn't win obviously so I like had my award Mm -hmm. and then it like got down to the end and we were like oh my god he's gonna win and we like hugged but it was like very like weirdly like it looked very sexual and it was very long and there's like photos of it where we were just embracing and we were just like oh my god it was so So weird so weird and he's also like shorter than me so I was kind of like cradling him into my bosom (laughs) it's very weird so we're like, wow. But it was just like in the moment we were just like, we just locked eyes and we were like, oh, my God, we're so excited. We need to like have this moment. So that was like a good yeah. time. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. But now he's doing one of those like he's quitting his job and he's doing like, I think it's called work away or something where he's oh, yeah. like good for him. doing a job. I don't know what kind of job it is, to be honest, but he's like traveling around and doing that. So saying goodbye. All right. Last but not least, one more. Yes. How do you engage with panhandlers on the street? Um, I know this sounds very callous, but I really don't engage, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Um, Just because I live in New York and there are so many of them. And I do Mm -hmm. think in the seven years that I've lived here, it has gotten worse and more extreme, which is sad. Um, Hopefully Mm -hmm. the city can get their shit together to help these people um, and make it less safe for everyone else. But... There's just so many, like, even I went out to the store today, I took the subway, and, like, I probably saw, like, 10 different people, so it's, like, you can't engage with all of them, so it's pretty crazy, like, between the subway and just, like, people on the street. I will say, though, Corey's very good at this, because he kind of has his routine. He goes to the gym every day, and, like, when he was working at Panera, like, you see the same homeless people. Like, I don't really Mm -hmm. have that, because I basically go to work, and like the subway there's always different people but he kind of has his like his homeless people that he takes care of so like if he has extra cash or food or something he always like goes to those people and like when he was at Panera he actually like developed a little friendship with one of the homeless people that mm-hmm. was outside Panera and he was like trying to save money to like get a, a bus ticket to go to his mom's upstate and it was like very nice I mean they're just people like everyone else but yeah you know you can't yeah. as a person living in a city engage with all of them so yeah I agree. I agree. How is it in Portland? How I do mean, you engage I think with the them? one I, I I think I feel very similarly to you. Um, I don't really engage. Unfortunately, one thing that I found 
you know, I'd heard that kind of the homeless issue in Portland was bad, but I was like, eh, I lived in New York for seven years. This is not going to be that big of a deal. It's a, it's really bad here. And there are a lot of homeless people and there are a lot of panhandlers and they tend to be kind of aggressive, like follow you or whatever. So I feel like here in Portland, I've taken even more of a like turn a blind eye. Yeah. Um, definitely in New York, I felt like I was a little more, I don't want to say compassionate, but I would definitely always like give a smile or like an acknowledge. And I would, I think, have given more change or whatever. I just never, I rarely had cash on me just because yeah. it was, you know, the 21st century. And also as like a woman alone in the city, I didn't want to be carrying cash um, as both, you know, just for a safety thing and because like it's easy to lose stuff. Um and, you know, and I would try to like, it, and I, there were definitely different many instances where I would try to be like, oh, I had this banana in my bag. And people would, I, I feel like the homeless or the panhandler would always kind of like look at me funny when I tried to give it to them. And I'd be like, well, if you're going to be rude about my banana, <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. You know? So uh, I think that was always kind of like a tricky situation. But you know, my thought with this is always like, if you have 50 cents in your pocket and you pass somebody who tugs at your heartstrings, like there's nothing wrong with throwing that 50 cents in there. And there's also nothing wrong with not giving. I just think we all have to find ways to be charitable and to give back to our community. And if you, you know, you don't throw your 50 cents in the bucket, find some other way to help support, you know, these, these communities. So, yeah, I agree. Nice awesome. note to end on. Well, campers, it is so good to be back. We've missed you. Um, if you have any suggestions for topics, guests, etc., that you would like to see this fall, please email us at hello at campadulthood.com or check us out on the social media at camp underscore adulthood. Excellent. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp. Uh, so,